The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Good morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here, and I really appreciate you braving the roads and the weather uh, to get out here. And I'm sure we have some people live streaming with us today. So we got people from Tipton and Kelowna. I'm not rubbing it in on those of you at home. It's good. You're still with us. But just man, it's just awesome. You guys just love being together, love worshiping God, and so you're willing to drive it and get here. So uh, thank you for that. Let me um, just say a couple things um, as a pastor here, a couple of things I've noticed I'm just very thankful for. Uh, Friday night, Saturday, we did a marriage conference, parenting conference here. Um, we have a team of administrators here that just absolutely nailed it this weekend. Emily, Lee, Jill, Callie, just put that thing together really well. A lot of good workshop leaders. The, the most moving moment for me Friday night was we had, at the end of it, uh, we were all the couples gathered back in here, and we just had all the couples pair up and, and affirm each other, two things to affirm each other with. After a marriage conference, you may have had a few things poked at, you know, so affirm each other, and then what's a promise you can claim for your marriage? You guys, it was just moving to just feel, you know, just see this all throughout the room, couples just doing that. Uh, it was a powerful night for me, and this is maybe a heads up. In nine months or so, we're going to need some nursery workers. So uh, there was a great, great workshop on uh, sexual intimacy, too, and all of that. But uh, no, it was excellent. Um, just great to be a part of that and see the team pull that off. So that was one thing. Um, another thing, this is in your bulletin, too. On Tuesday, we've, as far as I know, we've never done anything like this. But Tuesday night, there's, um, he's up in, up in the front here. Uh, there's a guy I've gotten to know over the last couple months or so. He's an oncologist, a cancer physician, that he himself has stage four uh, stomach cancer. And so it was about two and a half, three months ago that I met this man. And um, I have seen literally God's word just kind of change, change him, change his life. And so Tuesday night, he's inviting his patients. He's opening this up to the church. Uh, inviting, you know, his friends, and he's going to just talk to us uh, about what God has done for him through this journey. Uh, He's going to be baptized, and then we'd also like to have a time where we just pray, just kind of break up and pray for families that are battling cancer or just any kind of uh, battle here, because God is providing amazing hope uh, to this man. So that's Tuesday night at 6.30. We're going to do that over in the chapel, and any, any, any James wants anybody here to feel welcome to come to that um, that night. So just wanted you to know about that. So um, we are in a series for five weeks. Um, yeah, it's right there behind me on eternity, right? And we're just looking at what does the Bible say uh, about, about the future and about our lives. And one thing we looked at a couple of weeks ago is that our lives, the Bible says, are like a mist. We're here and then we're gone. Okay, and we don't, we don't think that way. We just kind of assume I've got this long life and it's never going to end. But the Bible says we're a mist. And we used this analogy a couple weeks ago too, how um, really it, the, the reality is we are living uh, in, in, in an eternal world. If you go this direction, so this rope goes end to end on the stage. If you go back that direction, God has existed for eternity past. 
If you go this direction, God is continuing to exist in eternity future. And our lives, if it's 50 years, 60 years, 80 years, 100 years, our lives are like a little speck, a little molecule on this rope. And so the Bible talks to us about the future and about eternity to make sure that we're living. And I've heard different authors talk about, are you living for the dot? Are you living for just this little blip of 60, 70 years, living for the vapor mist? Or are you living for eternity? So the Bible has a lot to say about eternity because God's concerned about how we're living now. Are we living wisely? And do we live with the right priorities and with the right hope? And so today what we're going to look at is the topic of resurrection. Do dead, do dead people really come back to life? Is there really life after death? And we're going to talk a little bit towards the end about what are we like in eternity. And for those of us that have faith in Jesus Christ, what will we be like in heaven? And then next week, we're going to take the whole message and just look at heaven. And so that's where we're headed. Let me pray. Uh, these are some great topics. But again, bottom line is that God wants to not just fill our heads or tickle our ears with interesting things, but he's really concerned about how we're living now in light of eternity. So let me pray, and then let's look at uh, these great passages from the Bible. So God, you, you know this morning that this... Um, Man speaking and opening up your word needs incredible help this morning just to be clear and to make your truth um, just very tangible for your people this morning. Thank you again for faithful people who, who braved roads, who came to be together to hear from you. Thank you for faithful people who are watching at home and live streaming right now. I just pray that you would speak clearly to your people, God. Encourage us, challenge us, help us to live today in light of eternity. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we're going to talk about resurrection and life after death, and our hope uh, for resurrection is anchored in Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So um, what I'm going to try to do this morning is steer you toward some very key passages in the Bible that talk about resurrection, and one of those is John chapter 11. Almost the whole chapter is a story about Jesus and his friend named Lazarus. Jesus had three friends, Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. They were very close, very good friends. And in John chapter 11, Lazarus dies. And so we're not told exactly why, but Jesus didn't, you know, from Mary's perspective, one of the sisters, Jesus didn't get there on time. And Lazarus died. In fact, it was four days after Lazarus died that Jesus showed up on the scene. And there's still a lot of grieving and wailing and mourning in the family. And in fact, as Jesus approached, Mary came out to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you were here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And then Jesus said these words to her. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everybody who lives and believes in me will never die. And Jesus asked her, do you believe this? And that's the question Jesus would ask us this morning. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there can be life after death? And do you believe that Jesus is the one that can bring that to you? It's interesting, anybody can say that. Anybody can just say, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. But what Jesus did just a few minutes after that statement is he went out to the tomb of Lazarus. He said, remove the stone that was in front of it. In fact, the crowds cautioned him and said, Jesus, it's going to stink. Like he's been dead for four days. You're going to need more than one can of Lysol for that one, Jesus. It's going to be bad. And Jesus commanded and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came back from death. 
and he was alive. And so uh, Jesus had power over death. He proved it there. And then if you continue in the gospel story, Jesus himself was crucified, was dead, was buried. And then three days later, he rose again from the dead. And so another key passage you need to know about resurrection is 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to read a few verses from there. That whole chapter is about resurrection. And the apostle Paul wrote that. He wrote it to uh, some Christians in a town called Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, this is what Paul said. Verse 1, he said, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. The gospel is the hope of the church. It's the hope of Christians. And Paul's saying, here is the gospel that I delivered to you. And what I want you to watch for is how prominent the resurrection is in this gospel message. Look what Paul says in verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then the 12, those are the 12 disciples, uh, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. I hope what you're catching here is that the resurrection of Jesus is central to the gospel message. Jesus died and Jesus rose again from the dead. And the way Paul is writing this, he's inviting you to check it out and to see that it's real. He said he appeared to, you know, he appeared to Peter, the disciples, and 500 people at one time. And he said some have fallen asleep, some aren't here anymore, but a lot of them are still alive. If you don't believe me, Go talk to an eyewitness. Go talk to one of those 500 people who are still living at that time who saw Jesus alive. And so this is so crucial to Paul. Look at a conversation he has a little bit later in this chapter. In verse 12, he says this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians to answer direct questions that they were asking. And so one of their big questions was, do dead people really come back to life? And Paul's saying, uh, verse 13, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. There's no Christian message. There's no hope. There's no gospel if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead. Look at the honesty of verses 17 and 19. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. In verse 19, if if in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are of all people most to be pitied. Basically, we're a bunch of fools if we believe in Jesus and Christianity if there is no resurrection. And uh, when I, as some of you know my story, I was raised in a family. My parents were both Christians. They were followers of Jesus. I went to a high school where I had friends that believed that. All the teams I played on, I had Christians on my team. So my faith was never really pushed or stretched until I came to Iowa City. And I really didn't know that many people when I came here. I didn't know any other Christians at the time. And so in a lot of ways, my faith was pushed and challenged as I heard a lot of different worldviews and a lot of different ways that people thought. 
And there was a time my first semester as a freshman that I was like, have I wasted 18 years of my life hoping, you know, that Jesus is real and Christianity is true? And that I just started investigating on my own. And of all the topics you should investigate, if you're in that kind of situation this morning, uh, I think the Bible's telling us right here, start with the resurrection. Because if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead, this is all a joke. A bunch of fools believe this. But if Jesus really did rise again from the dead, then that's, that's a whole different story. There's, there's truth and there's power in this message. So as I did that, there were two evidences that especially jumped out and helped me. One is the empty tomb of Christ. Nobody ever found the body of Christ. And the time where the church started growing and people were spreading the news that Jesus is alive, there were, there were many enemies of that message. And the easiest way to shut down Christianity would have been just to present the body of Christ. Nope, he, it's all a joke. He's still in the tomb. Uh, he is not alive. You know, game over. Christianity is done. And that never happened, even in spite of the fact that we know exactly where Christ's body was placed, the tomb of a man named Joseph of Arimathea, very prominent man. Anybody who wanted to kill this movement could have found where that tomb was and could have presented the body. Another one for me that really helped was how radically changed Jesus' disciples were before the resurrection and after the resurrection. If you look at them beforehand, they were like a lot of us. They would sometimes be with Jesus, but a lot of times they were afraid. They would bail on him. In fact, the night when Jesus was on trial, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus to a junior high girl. I mean, he couldn't even stand up and, and you know, be strong and say he knew Jesus. He denied that he even knew who Jesus was. But you look at those guys and how they lived after the resurrection, and 11 of the 12 of them were killed for saying that they saw the resurrected Jesus. And the one who didn't get killed is John, and he suffered greatly, he was put into exile. It's not like any of these guys got rich on the talk show circuit, sold a lot of books, made a lot of money. I mean, these guys were killed for saying that they saw Jesus alive. So nobody would die for a lie, especially all of these guys, just, you know, just certain and convincingly communicating in spite of the suffering, in spite of the persecution, that they saw Jesus alive. And so, so we as Christians can have amazing confidence in that there is life after death because of the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we can ha- actually hope as well, if we have faith in Jesus Christ, that we can live with him forever. That's, that's our confidence. It's based in the resurrection of Christ. And I saw a speaker use this analogy to kind of sh- communicate the confidence we can have. Now, in the history of college football, there's been one game that stands out of all games as the biggest margin of victory ever. And I was thinking, was that maybe the Hayden Fry era, Iowa, Iowa State? Because some of those were big margins. But even way bigger than that, the biggest crush of all time in college football was Georgia Tech against a school called Cumberland. And the final score was 222 to nothing. All right, so there's the scoreboard right there. Uh, Georgia Tech had over 900 yards rushing. They scored 32 touchdowns and just completely destroyed Cumberland. Uh, John Heisman was the coach of Georgia Tech, the guy that the Heisman Trophy is named after. And allegedly the spring before this game, Cumberland and Georgia Tech played each other in baseball. Cumberland brought in some professionals to play and they beat Georgia Tech 22 to nothing in baseball. So Georgia Tech had all summer to kind 
kind of stew on that. And then the fall came and boom, just let them have it. 222 to nothing. And I, you know, if we could have eavesdropped into that Cumberland huddle in the fourth quarter, you know, I don't think he had many guys going, let's do this. I know we're on it, man. Let's go. They're just going like, I don't want the ball. Don't give me the ball. Oh, coach, my legs are going like, to pull me out. You know, so complete dominance, complete victory. Georgia Tech crushes Cumberland. So as believers, because of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if death is our enemy, here is our scoreboard in that game. The empty tomb of Christ is our hope and our guarantee that this life is not all there is. That there can be life after, after death. So we can be confident about our future resurrection. And this is really important because the destiny for, for all of us is resurrection. We, we will all be resurrected in one day, uh, in a day in the future. So that's our destiny. In John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, this is what Jesus said. He said, don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those that have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So just like with Lazarus, when Jesus commanded and Lazarus came out, there will be a day where Jesus just commands all to come out and all will come out of their tombs. In fact, some scholars have said if Jesus didn't say Lazarus come out uh, and Lazarus came out, if he had just said come out, this would have happened then, that all the bodies would have come out. But Jesus in his authority someday, one day will say come out and we will all be resurrected. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what, what resurrection is. So if we were to die today, um, our body would be prepared, would be most, you know, for most of us in our culture, put in a casket, there would be a funeral, then our body would go into a grave. Again, that's just maybe our typical cultural way of dealing with death. But the Bible says that our, our soul or our spirit um, would continue to live. This is called the intermediary step. So here's a timeline. We, we die, then there's this period where the body goes into the grave, the soul then goes to one of two places. And so think about when Jesus was dying on the cross, there was a thief next to him um, that said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, this day you will be with me in paradise. And so, I, so from what the Bible teaches, when that thief's body was taken off the cross, it was put in a grave, but his soul, his spirit went that day to be paradise, in the presence of Jesus. In, in some terms, that's called heaven today. But bottom line is, soul and body are separated in this intermediate time. One place that a soul will go will be uh, to paradise, in the presence of Jesus. Uh, this next part is not, I'm, I, I do not like talking about this, but this is true. If, uh, if we don't know Jesus this morning, that, that would mean we are not righteous before God. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But if we are unrighteous in God's eyes, and if we were to die today, uh, our bodies would go into the grave, but then our soul would go to a place of torment. Um, next week, and we, we talked about hell a little bit last week, there is still a future, uh, new heaven and new earth, there's still a future hell that will go for, you know, on this line, all of eternity. Um, but right now, if we were to die, and we do not have Jesus as our Savior, then our soul would go to a place of, of torment. 
Um, look at Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. There's a good description of, of that. So this is called the intermediary state. And then when that time comes where Jesus calls out and, and the resurrections occur, then body and soul will be reunited. And again, Jesus said there would be two resurrections. The resurrection of life, so that would be reuniting the soul that you know, is with him in paradise with the body that is in the grave. And then, then as the resurrection of life occurs, that person would live with Jesus for the rest of eternity. And again, Jesus said there was another resurrection, the resurrection of, of judgment, resurrection of death, where again, body, soul, reunited. And then that eternal existence is, is in hell. And so a couple things there. I, that, is, that is not... Uh, an easy thing for me to say. And a lot of times people will almost get angry when you look at the, the many times the Bible talks about hell and punishment. And they say, how could a loving God think of something like hell and torment? And there's so many responses to that. But one is, God certainly is a loving God. God is also a holy and a just God. And so if we looked at those attributes, we would say, how could it take him so long to send us? How could anybody even have any hope of resurrection in eternal life with him. And so uh, this whole topic is so crucial for us uh, not to just blow off this morning because resurrection is all of our destiny. We will all at one time respond to Jesus' command for bodies to, to come back and be re- reunited with souls. And it's very clear in the Bible. Hebrews 9.27, for example, says that it is destined for us to die once and then face judgment. There's no, you know, there's different views and different theologies out there that talk about maybe a a place where you can go have a second chance, and I just don't see that in the Bible. I see Hebrews 9, 27, we're destined to die once, and then comes judgment. So the time to start preparing for which resurrection will we experience is, is now. And so God in his love wants us to understand that the way we have eternal existence with Christ, eternal life, is through putting our faith in him. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And we, you know, if it were just up to our own efforts here, which do we deserve, the resurrection of life or the resurrection of judgment or death? Every one of us in this room qualifies 100% for the, the resurrection of death and judgment. Nobody on our own qualifies for the resurrection to life. That's why Jesus came. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus offered us a chance to exchange our sin and in its place to receive his life, his righteousness, Nobody here is righteous enough to get to heaven, but Jesus is. And Jesus offers to give you his righteousness. Look at this verse. It'll be on the screen. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's why we make a big deal about Jesus here. Jesus is our ticket to experience the resurrection of life. And God wants you to know that. He doesn't want you to go through this life going, oh, 
I hope I would go to heaven when I die. Let's look at these verses. 1 John 5, 11 to 13. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Um, We're going to continue talking for a little bit about what resurrection life looks like, but I don't want to move on off of this spot right now. If you're not sure, this would be an awesome morning. You drove in the snow. You got here. You, you're getting presented truth about as clearly as it can be presented in the Bible. If you have Jesus, you have life. You can know that you have eternal life. So let me just, I'm just going to pause and we're going to pray here for a little bit. And prayer is just you closing your eyes and you can just think to God. You can talk to God with your thoughts. But what, what, what God would love to hear from you this morning is if you're not a Christian or you don't, you don't know that you've ever asked for this gift of eternal life, you could, you could say something like this to me. You could say, God, I, I realize that I'm, I'm, I'm sinful. I have done things wrong. I've offended you. I've hurt people that you've created. I need to be rescued. I need a savior. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you that you offer to give me your righteousness. You give me your life and you take my death. Please give me this gift of eternal life. Amen. That's, that's just putting your faith in Christ to rescue you. If you did that today, I promise you, if you tell your friend that, you would just light them up and be so excited to hear that. You know, that's one of the saddest things I hear as a pastor sometimes is when people say, I just don't know about my dad or I just don't know about my kids or I just don't know about. So let them know. Or if you have questions, please, this is not an issue that you just keep putting off. Remember, our life is like a vapor. It's here and gone before we know it. So be clear, the way you step into the resurrection to life is through faith in Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about what that resurrection to life looks like. We're going to talk about heaven a lot next week, but today, next few minutes, I'm going to talk about what are resurrection to life bodies like, okay? So two passages are going to kind of frame this for us. Philippians 3, 20 to 21 says this, that our citizenship, again, speaking to believers who have faith in Jesus Christ, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Look what it says, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So he's going to transform our bodies. He's got a lot of power. And some of us are thinking that's going to take a lot of work, but he could do that. Okay. He can transform our bodies to be like his glorious body. A lot of the questions, you guys are sending in a lot of questions during this series, it's been great. A lot of the answers to what are we going to be like, what are our bodies going to be like after the resurrection, a lot of the best answers to that are to look at the resurrected body of Jesus. What was he like when he came back to life on this earth? And in your for further study notes, I've given you some passages where you can just look at what was Jesus like after the resurrection. Okay, that's one guiding passage here. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 to 44. 
Uh, it talks about our bodies um, almost like a seed being put into the ground and then what comes back is, is a new body, is a new life. Look what it says. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable and what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And so what I've got up on a slide here, um, if we could leave it up just a little longer than we did last hour, I had people saying they didn't get them all written down, okay? So um, here's some things we see about our bodies after the resurrection. If you are in Christ, our bodies will be recognizable. The, the disciples recognized Jesus. They knew it was him. So you won't be just some glow ball or something like that. You will, they'll be able to recognize you, okay? Your body will be physical. Jesus ate with them. He ate bread and it didn't just drop to the floor. He wasn't like Casper the ghost or something. Like he had a physical body, okay? Um, we're going to be distinct in our ethnicity and our cultural background. When John had a vision of heaven, he could tell there were people there from every tribe, language, people, nation. So we'll still be distinct in who we were even on this planet. So recognizable, distinct. I love the word glorious. You're thinking, there's no way my body will ever be glorious. But that's what he said. We will be transformed to be like his glorious body. You think of, if you know the story of Jesus being transfigured uh, before his disciples, there was just, they were just astonished. They knew it was him, but, but there was something glorious about his body. That's going to be true about, about your body as well. Um, from 1 Corinthians 15, our bodies will be supernaturally empowered. And you look at the resurrected Jesus. He was able to suddenly appear in a room that had doors locked uh, and disappear. He was able to ascend into heaven. He was able to fly. Like, doesn't that sound fun? Like, you can in and out, you know, not held back by walls. You can, you can fly through the air. Gravity's not holding you back. Just so many things there about us being supernatural. A couple passages of the Bible call resurrected bodies beautiful. You go, that's going to have to be the work of God. But it's there. We're going to be beautiful. We're going to be immortal, never die, never be afraid of death again. And, and here's the one I think will just stagger us. We would be sinless. There would be no sin in our eternal existence with Jesus. I, I, I just can't even begin to fathom what would it be like to not sin, to just not cheat anybody, not be proud, not manipulate, just sinless. Awesome. So what will our experience be like? There's some, we're going to talk more about this next week, but so much bad rap about heaven. Here's a far side comic. You may have seen this one before. You know, here's a guy sitting up in heaven saying, oh, I wish I brought a magazine. You know, like a lot of people just think heaven's going to be boring and nothing to do. And we're going to look more next week. But one description of heaven is that we'll have fullness of joy. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. In his right hand are eternal pleasures forever. So your setup, the description of your eternal existence, full joy, eternal pleasure. Boom. There you go. That's, that's nice, okay? Here's another one. Astonishing worship in the presence of Jesus. My closest, you know, we have some awesome worship experiences here for sure. Maybe my biggest, and this sounds, hang with me for a little bit. Some of my biggest worship, put that in quotes, experiences, probably happened at Carver Hawkeye or at Kinnick, where you get that many people responding to something at the same time. That when you look at what's happening in heaven, you see people from every tribe, language, people, nation. You see angels. If, 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 promise me, if one angel were to appear in the room this morning, 
we, we would talk about that every day the rest of our lives. These angels were glorious beings. None of them are sitting around going, oh, isn't it cool? It's good you're here. Oh, look at that angel, isn't he? I like your wings. I mean, none of them are focused on each other. They're all focused on Jesus. He, just seeing resurrected Jesus in his full glory evokes passion and worship and excitement and joy and singing. And just, again, I think we'll, again, Hawkeyes, yeah, you know, but you look at what used to do that for us here on earth compared to our experience in heaven for eternity, for eternity, passion, joy, excitement, energy is constantly evoked from you because of who you're with. That's eternal worship uh, in heaven with Jesus. The Bible says we're going to reign with Jesus. We're going to serve with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't totally understand what he does in heaven or what our jobs would be, but it's such a description of honor. Imagine the best day you've ever had at work or at school. You feel like you're game on, you're getting it done, everything's efficient, maybe no interruptions, you're just clicking, you're creative, it's cranking it out, and you're going, man, that's nice. Can you imagine every second of your existence for eternity, you're even, you're going to look at those days and go, that was nothing. Look, look what I'm doing. Look at me being fully used to everything I've got, everything I am being fully spent towards something that really matters for all of eternity. That's, you know, so serving and working with Jesus, definitely part of it. Uh, free from sin, free from death, free from sickness. Um, you'll be able to eat in heaven and you'll eat not for sustenance. You'll eat for pleasure and for celebrations. There's so many descriptions of feasts And so that's going to be awesome too. So um, again, we'll talk more about that next week. But again, we just got to come back to this. When the Bible talks to us about the future, it really, the purpose of it is to really shape and impact how we live now. Are we behaving like we say we believe? Are we living on this speck in light of all of eternity that's coming for us? So a great chapter to kind of dial you in on that is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me just read us a couple verses to kind of land this plane this morning, okay? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 says this, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Did you, our bodies are called a tent, okay? Be completely honest with me. How many of you guys like sleeping in a tent? Maybe if you're 10 or under, a lot of more hands would go up. Seems the older we get, the number of hands start dropping as far as, is it fun to sleep in a tent? So um, I don't mind it, and I, I like it. I like camping with my kids, but... Um, but the word tent is used of our body. Tents are incredibly temporary. In fact, the more you use a tent, the zippers bust, you get holes in it, mosquitoes come in, it gets less and less fun to live in. Isn't that pretty much a great description of our bodies? And again, we don't like to think about that. We tend to just think about this dot. But, but the hope of resurrection takes our eyes off of just clinging to this tent and being a little freer to live uh, in light of, of all of eternity. And so I can be honest, as, as I've been studying this topic for the last three or four weeks, um, you, you probably know, we've heard a lot of comments. This is the first time we've ever heard a series like this. Or, and so I, it's, it's consuming me. And so throughout my week, I don't just come in on Monday and think of a good sermon. I, this is 
in a good way, bugging me all week long. Like, you know, eternity, and how do you explain heaven? And how should this be changing how I live? And so, I mean, so many things this week. Like, I was walking with a friend who is having leg issues, and that leg is keeping this friend up at night, and, and just thinking, yep, that's our bodies, our, our intent. Or I coached a team of sixth graders, and we barely had enough players the other day because of concussion and fracture elbow, and just like, even young bodies are tense. Like, there's nothing permanent here about, about our bodies. My birthday was this week, and so that has a way of, okay, you're putting your life in perspective. How much longer do I have in this tent? Or um, one gift Lori gave me was a tape recorder. We haven't had a tape recorder in our house for years, but when my kids were younger, I used to tell them daddy stories, and so it was kind of fun to listen to those again. And now my kids are 17 and 15 and 12, and it seems like not that long ago, and time is just is just flying by. Um, visited a 96-year-old in the hospital this week, and, and just to hear her tell stories and, and talking like her life was just yesterday, that she was raising kids, and just, I mean, so many things are happening. Last month, uh, I had to get my driver's license renewed, and so I'm doing the eye test, and the guy, I just barely passed, apparently, even with my glasses on. The guy was as kind as he could be, but, like, that was close. Like, you're gonna, and I hadn't had my eyes checked in years, and there are three excellent optometrists that I know and see regularly here uh, in the church. So I went to one that's helped me with things over many years and is usually incredibly patient, man, very thorough, very good. I could tell I was frustrating him because he's going one or two, one or two. And there's just a lot of pressure on you because if you know your eyes are getting bad, you don't want to mess up and end up with those big old Coke bottles or the big old, you know, things. It was like, oh, don't mess this one up, Doug. Just do your best. Or you're trying to remember. It's weird. You can kind of remember the order of the letters if from your last visit, even if it's been five years ago. Oh, yeah, E-C-T-L, you know, like you, oh, this is looking familiar, even though I can't see them. It's like, yeah, I think that was the next line. You're doing all you can. And this guy was awesome. He's like, he like pulls up his chair, and it's almost like he's going to tell me, Doug, you're going to die tomorrow. It was like, it was like, instead he said, like, you know, you might be moving toward progressive lenses. And so it's interesting. They used to call those bifocals, but now uh, it sounds softer to say progressive. It makes it sound like you're advancing into something better when actually you're actually going the wrong direction. This isn't getting better. You need progressive lenses. And so when I went back for another visit, the lot was pretty full and there were two places, but whoever parked there parked really horribly and they were taking both spots. And first I got mad, like, why can't you? And I was like, well, duh, it's going to an eye doctor. Like, that's why I came to the right place, you know? So when I do some coaching, I was thinking like, man, I hope I run into some referees here that I know. Like, it'd be great if they'd be here too. So, um, so many things. Uh, Thursdays are the day that I go through our family's finances and I'm paying stuff online and, and we budget out. I, we try to, I try to aggressively be generous and give. And so there's the amount we give to Parkview and then there's the amount we give to other ministries. And I'll be honest, there are, there are Thursdays where sometimes that's hard. Like, ooh, are you sure, you know, let that go? Are we sure we want to keep bumping up the percentage we're giving every year? But what's been interesting the last couple of Thursdays when we're in this topic, it just makes sense. And I'm even thinking like, why not? Like just, this isn't permanent. I'm not, I want to live for the dot. I want to live for eternity. And so can I get even more out? Just a whole different change in me. Um, there's still so far for me to go, but that's what God's after in us as we're studying this stuff is how are we changing how we live now? So our bodies are not permanent. We groan, we live in a tent, 
but God has prepared a home for us. There's, there's eternity awaiting us. And so here's a few more verses. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. I, um, the last week or so, man, the news has just been inundated, especially sports news, with uh, a certain football team that deflated footballs, okay? So it's the Patriots. I, I just, I hate the Patriots. I'm a Ravens fan, so Ravens fan, I know they cheated. I, you didn't even have to tell me that story. I know they cheat all the time, so that's my bias. But just the amount of energy that has been spent investigating, did a football team deflate footballs? It's just, it's mind-boggling. Like, why are we wasting our time on so much time, even though I hate the Patriots, like why are we, so f- they've interviewed 40 people, they've just turned in all the video evidence and all these interviews, and it's just like, wow, what if we, you know, the NFL decided to turn its energy from the clearly cheating Patriots, and then uh, instead invested all of that energy into just watching my life? Uh, what, at 24-7 exposure, what am I thinking about? What am I doing with my money? Who am I talking to? How am I spending my time? I mean, just thorough study of my life. And put yourself in there too. If they did that for you. And let's say they just laid that beside what we're talking about now. What we say we believe about eternity. And would the two line up? Or as people are looking at what we're doing with our time and our money and our hopes and our thoughts... Um, would, would the typical person in this world be astonished at that? Like, wow, you're, what do you know that I don't know? Look what you're doing. Look how you're spending your time. Look at, so are we truly behave, behaving like we, we say we believe? Um, there, there, there are so many families and people in this church that I think are, are doing that. And um, we have so many couples that have even moved to other places in the world so that people can learn about Jesus. And there was one of these couples this week that wanted to do a Skype uh, interview with me just because they're trying to make a decision about where to go next. They've been removed from one country. And so their options are, some, there's, there's, there's some pretty hard parts of the world with two children that they feel like God is calling them to. And when you read about what's going on there, very hostile areas, large, largely of another faith, but... There's, God is moving there. And so uh, we haven't Skyped yet. We're still setting it up. But I was just trying to think through again, thinking about eternity, I was thinking through, what, what would I say? How would I coach them? And if we're talking about living for the dot, you know, it's kind of risky to do what you're doing. Like, I'm not so sure you should be in there. And, but if you're looking at the line, I mean, the biggest thing that's been hitting me this week is why don't I join them? Like, why, don't, why don't I just throw in if that's what, what God is doing? And um, let, me, let me pray. Let me pray for us. Um, God, I, first I just want to um, say forgive us because a lot of times talking about heaven and the end times and all that can almost seem like a hobby or something we're curious about and we just kind of want our ears tickled about this and that. But 
bottom line, you're, you're writing this to us because you, you're trying to wake us up and say, live for eternity. Live for what really matters. We need to see where our hope really lies. And so, God, I just pray you would take your words this morning and just apply them where your people need them applied. God, if people here that needed to be encouraged and comforted by this talk of resurrection and, and of seeing others who have died apart, you know, died and are in Christ and will see them again. Those are amazing words of comfort. So do that. Comfort your people today. God, if there's some of us that just needed a wake-up call about how we're living and are we truly living in light of eternity, God, just do that. Light a new fire in our hearts. Redirect us in our time and our money and our energies and our hopes and just show us how, again, fleeting this life is in light of all that you have for us in eternity. Do what you need to do with me and with your people, God, and just keep moving us so that we more and more are living for eternity. In your great name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.